Before we jump in, I want to give a shout out to protege.dev. For companies looking for talent, mention this podcast episode and get 10% off your next 10 listings. And for rising stars, sign up for the newsletter at protege.dev for job listings and platform updates. If you're early in your development career, Protege has such a great network for up-and-comers. If you're looking for the ability to collaborate on a team project, you can dive right into the Protege GitHub and contribute directly to the site. When you do visit the site, be sure and check out the resources page for a great listing of classes and workshops. Oh, and I helped redesign that page, contributing to the Protege repository. It was a great way to gain experience collaborating on a live team project with an awesome group. Protege is for juniors by juniors. That's protege.dev. They connect ambition and opportunity. Good morning. And I don't know, it's, uh, it sounded like the movie reference. Like, good morning, Atlanta. Um, I'm glad you're here with me. And I'm excited about this episode. Um, I have to say it, it took me a minute to, uh, to get this one out the door, um, as I'm still sort of navigating, learning audio recording and editing and all the software, uh, my somewhat perfectionist habits, tendencies, uh, when it comes to finding the right software and the right hardware and, and really wanting to understand the best way to approach this, um, it did slow me down a bit, um, but um, I feel like I have uh, I have grown in the journey um, during this process, which has been exciting. So for this episode, Nick is uh, someone that I met about three months ago, and he'd reached out and said, I'm looking to get into web development. I've done a, a boot camp and I've started to study on my own. I'm interested to dive in and, and learn more. And we, we clicked, um, from the get go. And about three months later, we have already shipped, uh, three projects, uh, for clients. And, uh, two of those were fairly substantial in the builds and that's exciting. I love seeing the, the journey from, um, ambition and interest to shipping, projects and and product out the door and uh nick is one to not shy away from a challenge and we didn't we didn't start off with the easiest projects together and and he tackled them like a champ and um i'm so excited to see him and and his career grow so that being said uh this was a great time to sit down with nick and and sort of talk about the journey of um his transition uh, from being a massage therapist um, as a career and and as his focus to pivoting into web development. Also, uh, Nick and his wife, Alex, moved to Hungary in this time and live in Budapest now. And we talk about um, traveling and living abroad, working for yourself, creating uh, sort of a uh, a bit of a non-traditional career and um, and dive into uh, a bit of the, the platforms and technologies that he's he's enjoying working in. So we're we, we cover a number of different topics, but 
I'm excited about this one. And yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking and I will introduce Nick here. So presenting Nick Spira. Nick, how you doing? Good. Good. How are you, Kyle? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited. I know we've talked about this for uh, for a week or two. So excited that we get a chance to sit down and talk for a little bit. Yeah, I share the excitement. Awesome. Um, so, you know, one of the things I guess I wanted to start with is I'd love to hear a bit of, of your background, your journey as you've gotten into into web development, but, um, but also just, uh, sort of where, where you came from and, and who you are and sort of what led to this, this point you're at now. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll keep it brief. So, uh, just before, just before I started getting into Webflow and seeing if computer science or develop computer, uh, web development was, you know, something that was a good fit for me. I was working as a massage therapist and um, super fulfilling work. I really enjoyed helping people feel better in their bodies, but it came with a detriment to my health. And, you know, I was in constant pain and I knew that there was, there was a limitation uh, in that field that I couldn't have the real freedom in life that I wanted, which is mostly traveling freedom and being able to work from anywhere. Um, so around that time, you know, Alex, my wife and I were making that, making a shift. We had decided to move to Budapest and we were just trying to figure out, um, she was already working fully remote and I wanted that same freedom. So I started exploring what are things that I think I might have an aptitude for. And part of part of like me watching her journey transitioning to a fully remote work environment with the design work that she's doing, um, I just became really um, what's the word I'm looking for? It I was just really intrigued by the work, and I became really interested um, in design, and I wanted to see where I could fit in, so I. I took a an online coding boot camp was 22, 22 weeks with a with a six week course that preceded it. So it was just the basics: HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then moving into React, um, React Native, um, Bootstrap, CSS and other kind of entry entry programs with a lot of javascript of course and along the way i was realizing you know this is cool i have a really problem solving mind i like tackling these issues but one of the reasons that i became a massage therapist is because i have a real strong link with tactile and kinesthetic learning and, and doing and learning by doing especially and I was awesome. being a little bit I was a little bit frustrated with not being able to see and manipulate web pages as manually as I wanted to and 
Alex turned me on to Webflow, and then everything just kind of clicked for me. I felt like it was a really good halfway between writing code and being able to visually see those elements on the page and, and influence them in real time. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, and I would say that, um, that I, I want to dive into all that, um, the, the remote work and, and the journey and the freedom, as well as the, the journey of, of becoming a developer and, and, and definitely our, our work together and, and workflow, webflow. So when did you, when did you sort of start, when did you make that decision to, to go to a boot camp? Let's see. The boot camp started, I think, I think uh, my mother-in-law sent me a, a Facebook ad that she had been served for a coding boot camp that was nice. in our area in Charleston. And maybe I had brought it up once or twice. Like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Like maybe I had, had like a, you know, like a free course on Udemy or, or Skillshare or something. And I was just kind of toying with it. Um, and I think that was in November, November of 2019, because the, the prerequisite to the bootcamp, the HTML, CSS, JavaScript started in December, I believe. And it was four weeks, four weeks in December. And then the, the main bootcamp started in January. Nice. So you're saying there was a good positive outcome from a Facebook ad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I clicked the ad and signed up, which is what Facebook wanted. Whether or not I should have is another matter. Uh, and but you it, uh, still to this day get boot camp ads that are from, like, don't you want to become a developer? From Charleston, despite living exactly. in Budapest now for three months. So <laughs> Exactly. No, and I'd love to dive into that. Um, and I, I, I have to say that um, my wife, Bonnie, and I are uh, super jealous. Um, and we uh, continue to be super uh, jealous <laughs> um, <laughs> of, your, of you and Alex uh, heading off abroad and, and, and really taking off. I remember um, when, when we first started um, talking about uh, working together um, that that you all were were headed out that way, and this is definitely something that that Bonnie and I want to do at some point is is take the boys abroad and and sort of experience different cultures and and different lifestyles. And we've all we've been remote um, and sort of done our own thing for for years. But uh, I imagine a, a totally different experience doing it from somewhere else and and really settling down somewhere. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun fun journey. I don't know if you know this, but even up until when we started working together, when I got onboarded with concept theory, I had no clue what I was going to do. So at that time we were living at Alex's parents' house and we had sold, well not, we had sold Alex's car, the only car that we had. And we had moved out of our house um, earlier than we anticipated because of, because of COVID. We wanted to make sure we could get out get out from our lease and sell all of our possessions before people went into hiding. Um, and, <laughs> and didn't you get out just under the wire? I mean, like literally under the wire. Yeah. It, so we, it was like a huge, a huge mystery. Europe 
had decided that they were going to close their borders to Americans. And I think we got that news like the 23rd of June and the, the date for, you know, American U S citizens not being allowed entry into Europe was set to be July 1st. And our plans were, we had our flight set for the 10th of July and we got off a call with Alex's cousin, um, who's Hungarian, living in the U.S. And they were like, "What are you guys going to do? What do you, what do you think is the best move?" And Alex and I heard that news, didn't talk about it for a single day because we were both in denial that all of the hard work that we had put into moving and uprooting our lives was going to be put on hold for an unknown period of time. And the following day, Alex came downstairs and started reading an article she that had popped up on her on her I think Facebook or or an article that she had stumbled across just reciting the same information and we looked at each other and said okay, we got to go to the airport and move our flights. We have to, there's no way that we'll be able to know for certain that just because we were married that I'll be able to have access to Europe. And, and the important bit in that we're married is Alex is a Hungarian citizen with a passport. So we were curious about family reunification and will they separate us and will they make us quarantine and this, that, and the other and contacting our Airbnb host and say, Hey, can you take us early? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We, we booked, we booked one on the fly in the airport while we were waiting for the, for the Delta counter to confirm our, our flight change. And That's unreal. And then so that must have been the 20, 24th or 25th. And then two days later was a Friday and that's the day we left. <laughs> wow. So you're, you are, you're figuring out what you, what you want to do and what you want to focus on. And you're also running around and you've made all these life plans and then those get derailed. And then you're, you're literally having to pull out your phone and, and set accommodations uh, while you're in the airport. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the day are you be- feeling settled now? Yeah. Yeah, no, we feel good. We've, this is our, our third living accommodations that we've had. We had two Airbnbs before we found our apartment in we're in here for a year. We're buying all kinds of furniture for it, making it our own. I feel like so so much of the things that I do just make me feel like an American here, but I'm comfortable, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's great. Any what would any sort of good tips or uh, just over this journey that you did recently? Any good tips or, or tricks that you would give to anybody that was thinking about moving or working abroad? Yeah. First off, you can make it happen. Um, you know, and we haven't really touched on that. I was a massage therapist, not knowing completely what the industry is like in Hungary. But, I, you know, I was able to find remote work that was in a field that I found interesting 
and relied on skills that I already had, like being an analytical thinker or enjoying solving problems, solving puzzles, which I think is a lot of program development. And then you can just see what sticks. You can see what sticks and also hire a relocation agency. That's a, that's oh, a nice. big, yeah, that's a big, probably the best decision we made in this entire process. Is there a, is there a resource or a, uh, what's the name of the agency used? So our, this agency is called Interrelo and we found them on Facebook. Facebook send us free stuff. Um, and uh, so we reached out to a few Hungarian immigrant Facebook groups and we were asking a lot of questions. And then this individual, Stuart McAllister, who is the owner of the company reached out to us and was saying like, Hey, we can help you out. Visit our, you know, visit our website. And then I also found him listed on the Hungarian embassy list of services for the, that was on the, on the, I think on the, like uh, the U S embassy website, I, I asked for relocation services and they have a, they have a list of companies or things that you might need. If you're thinking about moving to a different country where there's a U.S. Nice. embassy, obviously, and they, they had a, a whole host of, of, um, things like you need a company to send your really nice artwork to your new house. And, but you know, more practically, <laughs> yeah. more practically, they send your Monet's <laughs> and your Picasso's yeah. to your house ahead of time. Yeah. If you would like all to ship your, your Maserati, all your golden jewels. Yes. Um, nice. That's uh, that's awesome. And yeah, I'll, um, I'll pull some of those resources and put them in the, in the show notes. Um, we actually have a, uh, a client that we built a site for and a, and a good friend, Lindsay Ballet, that runs sheworksabroad.com. Um, and a number of years ago, when, when she and I worked uh, together uh, in New York, she started her own company, um, seeing this, uh, this trend um, of people wanting to move and, and work abroad, um, but specifically um, looking for, um, for women that wanted to move and work abroad. Um, and just helping helping people sort of understand all the ins and outs of how to do that, and um, and so even if it's like the kind of thing where you're planning a year in advance, or if you're like, okay, I'm ready to to jump, you know, I don't I don't know all the all the uh, the paperwork and the hoops that you need to jump through to like move to Argentina or to Spain or whatever. But um, uh, she's someone that that does that now, um, which is which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it definitely has such a high value. You can you can go and you know speak with a somebody who speaks your language and say like, please help me how to do this. And they know everything. They have all the forms. They know yeah. the people in the offices, and um, it's just a huge huge weight off our shoulders. Figuring out initially managing the move itself was a part-time job for me 
because there are so many logistical and and up, things that are up in the air that need to be managed. But it's so important oh, I'm sure. because if you don't do it right, then for instance, in, in EU where I am now, if I didn't apply for my residence permit within a certain window, then my visa would run out after 90 days and it, I would have to wait a, another 90 days after that before I was allowed to enter the EU again. So, which can get wow. costly and be, you know, completely, um, you know, just can completely derail your plans. Totally. Yeah. I'd imagine it's funny. I, I, my wife and I, I, we dream in apps. So as soon as I hear you saying that, like it's a part-time thing, I think there totally needs to be a service where it's just like you're, you, you sort of say what industry you're in and where you're going. And you just sort of get this pre-made checklist. That's like, okay, great. First, you're going to reach out to this service. Then you're going to reach out to this. Then you need to, you know, and just, just being able to have like a, a to-do list that was pre-populated with, um, with all of the, all of the things that you need to do to, to move abroad um, and have all cool. the, all the proper forms and where to take them. And, Oh yeah, that would be so stuff like that. That'd be so great. <laughs> That's app number 433 that I probably will not build, but, uh, free, free idea to anyone out there listening, go, go build it. Cause I would use it, uh, and probably QA the hell out of it. Um, so speaking of, of work, I was looking back and, um, do you remember the date when we started working together? I think it was June 19th. June 15th June was 15th. when we had our first email where we were like, Hey, want to work on stuff together? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is kind of crazy because that was, it's about three months ago. And, um, uh, and since then we have shipped, uh, a number of, of fairly robust, you know, decent sized projects. Um, and that's, it's been amazing even in this short amount of time. It's, it's been, it's been quite a trip. I think a lot of, a lot of what I was experiencing then when, when we first started discussing, you know, me working for you was okay, ready, fire, aim, and like just <laughs> not that I was running with my eyes closed, but as if I was running on a treadmill, not really certain that I would have tread for my feet to fall on. <laughs> as you're getting on the treadmill, someone hands you yeah. the treadmill. The, the treadmill is, is set on eight and someone also hands you the instruction manual and they're like, you'll be good. You're yeah. good. Don't worry. <laughs> just, just fine. Just, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. I think, I know, and you had mentioned this before, but we really started focusing on Webflow and, and from a, um, from our agency perspective, from concept theories perspective, um, we started focusing on Webflow probably about a year ago, um, years had done WordPress sites. And sort of gotten into a rhythm with, with WordPress, but I really sort of fell out of love with WordPress over the past couple of years with just the, the updates, the security and transferring sites and just all the sort of overhead that comes with 
with managing and maintaining a site. So, um, and we had also done um, highly customized Squarespace sites, but you really have to, from a Squarespace perspective, you have to just sort of hack, you really have to like hack at it to get it to do what you want to do. And so um, we started in on Webflow and it was so, it was such serendipity that, uh, that, we had connected and you were like, Oh, I just, I just built a Webflow site yesterday <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and I was like, Oh, well, uh, we actually have a few coming up and, and now we have already shipped. So we shipped in the past three months, we shipped Strata, which was a really like custom, uh, from scratch Webflow theme, um, with a CMS and blog articles and 3d motion and sort of CSS animations throughout. And, um, that was, a that was probably one of the meatiest projects that we've worked on in a while. And, uh, uh, that was actually probably your first, first big one that we worked on together. Right. Yeah, certainly. And then we did, uh, just launched the organic south.com yesterday, uh, which was Webflow, CMS, blog, e-commerce. Um, that was, that was quite a, uh, hefty project as well. And then lrust.com, which was like press and media and a blog and sort of like highly customizing, a, an existing theme. And so it's been, it's been fun. I'm interested to hear sort of you know, now coming out the other side after launching three big sites in three months, um, you know, looking back at the boot camp and sort of post boot camp, um, sort of the difference in experience, sort of learning the boot camp way and then learning the uh, holding the instruction manual while on the treadmill way. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I feel like not that what I learned wasn't valuable or wasn't useful or I haven't needed it. It certainly helped me become familiar with the environment and they, they work in conjunction with each other so I can directly see the CSS styling that I'm influencing. And I, you know, I do have basic understanding of the HTML elements that are, that I, you're in the components that are within the Webflow page. But I think for me, the biggest part of taking the boot camp was the, the emotion behind or, or the feeling behind, like just say yes, like say yes to learning a new skill, say yes to learning, you know, to committing time and your resources to learning something in this industry. And what sticks sticks. So yeah, you, you kind of just have to put faith in, okay, this is the route that I'm going and we'll see what comes up. We'll see what I feel drawn towards. We'll see because the, the amount of avenues that are explorable when you think about entering you know, digital creative work like this, it's, it's not just building and styling websites. It's also digital designs and animations and 
graphics renderings and it can be a whole host of other things and you don't know you'll never and if any of those things excite you i would have never known or even been exposed to the to the reality of them or to their their knowledge of their existence if i didn't say like okay i can see myself doing this this seems like a good place to start yeah no definitely and i and i i think one of the most interesting things about a platform like webflow is that um i did so my journey, I've always sort of dabbled in HTML and CSS and I've, I've, I've known enough to sort of be dangerous and I can, I can, I'm the type that I can write a hello world in anything. Um, primarily just cause I always wanted to understand how things work and like look under the hood. Um, but I might not necessarily build the whole car. Um, and then when we were in New York, I started in the thankful, um, boot camp and it was uh, the full stack boot camp and it was well, I don't remember it was six months or something like that I got about halfway through I'd gotten to some fairly advanced um, past my first uh, technical interview and I was doing deep sort of JavaScript and jQuery and building on APIs and things like that and then we moved to Atlanta and I was like I don't this I I don't have the brain space for I uh, started a new job here in Atlanta. And I was like, I don't have the brain space to start a new job and do the, you know, you need to set aside a good 10 to 20 hours a week just to, to sort of retain all that. Um, but what's interesting uh, is that I think with learning things like HTML and CSS and, and JavaScript, and if you're not actively building and i guess i mean in a commercial way for for a business if you're not actively building and shipping things i feel like there's a, a stagnation that can happen unless you're really really motivated to you know you, you end up building a lot of prototypes for like to do to do apps and and a, a countdown clock and a meme generator or whatever but you really don't get the the full sort of um feeling of what it's like being dug in doing QA on a site that the the client is giving you feedback on and things just are there is a class that is messing up this div and I just don't know why and I don't you know and I can't fix it and um but I think what's interesting is something like webflow is that you can actually build and uh you can build amazing things. Um, and you can actually do a lot of interesting injecting CSS and JavaScript and tying it to APIs. You can do all these amazing things, um, but you can also use some of their beautiful, amazing pre-existing themes um, and just ship. Uh, I think we've probably built and shipped six or eight sites just in the past inside of two quarters. Um, and you can just go so fast with it. And I think what's so interesting for, for up and coming, especially up and coming developers is um, a lot of times getting, having so much mental overhead for all the frameworks and having to sort of learn, fully learn React or Vue or Noxt or Next or, or Gatsby and, and, and having to sort of learn Node and the NPM installs and just that you have to learn all these other things before you actually ever start building out comps into a thing that a client is going to go, yes, I will give you $10,000 for that. Um, and I think what's interesting in Webflow is that it removes all of that overhead, um, still has a lot of the high customization that, that, um, that you can do, but, but you also can 
build and ship quickly. And so I feel like there's a lot of learnings to be built there. And, and, and I imagine, you know, it feels really good to, to ship things versus always, always sort of poking around at some of the bigger frameworks and, and trying to figure out how you can, you know, get in embedded in a team to work on part of something. Yeah, I tend to, I, I 100% agree with that. A lot of, of course, you know, when you're in a boot camp and, and they're teaching, you build a portfolio, work on projects, solve things that make interesting things that you think people would enjoy. It's all theoretical. There's no pressure. There's no, you know, drive to work under a timeline the forcing measures yeah. yeah the forcing measures of a timeline that says this needs to get shipped next week <laughs> yeah yeah or you've accepted somebody's money for it and you you need to deliver and yeah. as far no. as what webflow brings to the table i think and not that it isn't you know strictly no code because you did touch on it there are you know, HTML embed elements that you can influence in your own custom code that you can write. And knowing code always helps, of course, but it takes so much of the, the introductory, like I remember being in, you know, building one app or two apps throughout the entire bootcamp. And a lot of the NPM installs we did once. And I don't know if they think that Okay, we showed them how to do it once. They're, they're, they're good now. But those things need ornery. Ornery. They they take a lot of they take a lot of time to learn how to do properly. And there's so many steps involved in in certain specific things and troubleshooting it when it doesn't work properly can become an unsurmountable task for some. And I think a lot of, a lot of the value in Webflow is taking all of that and saying, we can do, you know, you can build a website and you don't have to do all of that stuff and look how cool it is and focus on the design and focus on the functionality and we'll take care of the backend stuff. And, it, and ship it and ship it and it gives you so the, the, just this feeling of freedom i i find that you know i don't have to spend another six to eight months trying to sort these things out on my own to yeah i totally agree i one funny npm's stories as I was sort of diving back in and I was I was sort of making the rounds of frameworks and I've probably in the past two months I've I've set up and installed 20 projects with like Vue and Nuxt and Next and Gatsby and right now I'm I'm focused on on Gatsby but one of the first projects that I fired up was a uh, was a Gatsby theme uh, and I was trying to integrate it in with Prismic and as I installed the theme, very straightforward theme. I mean, it, the the readme on GitHub was like, there's like three steps. And I'm like, this is great. This is super straightforward. And there's not a lot of install and I can really get it running locally pretty quick. Um, but what's funny is when you install, uh, you run NPM install and it runs all of the node modules. Um, one of the last things it does, especially if the, if the repository is a little older, is it always seems to end with npm update uh, like a lot of these 
modules are older. You should think about upgrading them. And it says you should run NPM update. Um, terrible idea. Terrible idea. I don't know why it's written in that, like why it's such a heavy suggestion when you install those, because what happens is clearly the repository is like dependent on a very specific set of versions for these, for these modules. But when you're sort of starting out, you're not thinking about the fact that, you know, module number 430 really should be 1.3.2.3 to get this thing to work. And so I, I ran it. I was like, great NPM update. That sounds fresh. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'll have a fresh, a fresh app that will work great. And I could not get that thing to work for like two or three days I spent and I'm, I'm on, I'm on stack overflow and I'm on GitHub issues and all sorts of stuff. And, um, and I really go down the rabbit hole and then I decided to just kill it. I killed the repo. I killed the project. I started up again. And then I was like, I don't think I'm going to run that NPM update. And I got it running. But uh, clearly a newbie thing for me to run into. But what's interesting is that I love coming from experience design and user experience. Um, I like thinking about those sort of things where I'm sure there are seasoned devs that are like, of course, you don't just run NPM update. But what's interesting is that from a from a, an outsider coming in and really starting to try and dig into this world, um, there are things like that that are just sort of assumed that um, that are not clear and that can just take you forever to try and learn how to fix it. Um, and while I love it, and that is this is my goal, by the way, I'm not bashing uh, Node and and the whole sort of setting up. Um, uh, frameworks. Uh, I love it and I'm, I'm getting deeper into it, but it is to say it's interesting to step back and sort of look at the process um, of as a developer and, and the journey as a developer and identify these things that hopefully you can um, point out to others. Uh, don't do this. Don't, don't run NPM update on your first, on your first go. Um, but it's so interesting juxtaposing that to something like Webflow where um, I literally think you and I probably we could fire up a project and ship something. It's what is it about nine thirty here? You're a little later, but uh, we could ship something today, right? I bet you yeah. you and I could just fire something up and just yeah. like have out a three or four page site that that was pretty cool and had some animations and had some functionality and even get like a little blog going or whatever it is, and we could ship that out the door today, and it would be great. Um, and and I think that's what's really interesting. Now, I want to get that. I want to get to that level on the frameworks. But um, I do think that from a sort of development journey and especially junior developers that are starting out, like uh, Webflow is such a great tool and platform to use, which, by the way, this this podcast is not sponsored by Webflow. So don't I know we've talked about Webflow a lot, but I think it's just because we're uh we're, we're knee deep in it right now. And we're sort of digging the, digging the platform, but this is not a sponsor <laughs> unless Webflow you want to, then my email is Kyle at cth.io. But, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I want to hit on a couple other things like what, what else, uh, well, this is a little bit of a leading question, but what else are you into? I've, I've seen some, um, some pretty cool 3d models coming coming out of the Instagrams, uh, recently. Yeah. So on, on the topic of, um, following tutorials in, um, 
you know, when you're first designing and, and watching, or excuse me, developing, like watching Udemy courses and coding along, um, I, I decided that I was going to take a crack at Blender. And it really started with these, these fractal patterns that come up on, on a, uh, a subreddit that I follow. Um, called R fractals, R slash fractals, and you know if you're if you're on this podcast and not familiar with the fractal, is just Google it. It's basically like a mathematical formula that its input, its output is generated by its input. So it so every piece of a fractal is self encompassing, um, and there, as far as I can tell, just mathematical models to kind of visualize what infinity might like the concept of infinity um, is a huge, huge part because they are without barriers without um, beginning or an end. So really cool designs very symmetrical, very geometric um, in shape and origin. And I was like, these are cool. I could make these. So I'm like trying to figure out what kind of program it is that the people who are creating these like really cool images are running. And there's, you know, two or three of them, like, you know, one or two that are free that I can run on a Mac because I use a Mac and started to get on YouTube and there wasn't a whole lot of resources available, like really good uh, channels set up that have like nice instructions and where to begin or they're not using the current version of the programming that I'm using. Um, I can't stand that. And so I thought, well, this is, this is kind of a dead end and impractical maybe for me to just create these things and say, huh, that's cool. I don't, you you don't go over to your friend's house and see like a three by three print of a fractal hanging above their fireplace (laughs) or anything like that. Like basically this is for like the, you know, whatever in-app voting system. (laughs) Uh, Open up an Etsy store. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But then, um, you know, talking about the inspiration that I was receiving from, you know, Alex, my wife's design work, her company, her company's founder has a really, really cool Instagram platform and the designs and the renders that she's able to create are, are just like pure imagination fuel and kind of, kind of made me think like, Oh, my mind wanders. Like I see, you know, funny things happening in like normal everyday life or are very aesthetically pleasing, like, graphic loops that could uh, play over and over and have fun colors and be like pop art and have um, exciting designs. And I've always been frustrated by my ability to draw. And I thought, well, let's, let's see where, let's see what kind of resources are available for creating something in like a graphic 3d space that isn't, that has a bit more mainstream appeal uh, than than Fractal. So I started using Blender, which is a free program, which is great. So startup costs, you know, there's no no internal or boundary on that. 
And Download Blender for free and get on YouTube and you're all set. And that's exactly what I did. So it didn't take me long to find this very comprehensive, like bringing through a couple of the different, you know, like beginner and intermediate concepts of Blender in this application, which it, I mean, if you just open up like the home screen of this thing there there are tool panels and and viewports and like all sorts of actions you can take and you know different values you can assign to words that you've you know never heard of or, or used in a design or rendering space especially if you don't already have a previous interaction with like AutoCAD or other like 3D rendering softwares, but just kind of figured, well, I know what you can do with a program like this. And I think that's exciting. And you know, what, what harm can it come of, you know, what, even yeah. if I'm just doing it for likes on social media, if I think it's cool, then there's value in it to me and I am in the, you know, I always enjoy learning. Um, so I figured let's kind of follow these tutorials and see if I like it, see if I can grasp the concept. So um, I think I'm on like the second level of, of four levels in a series of um, the tutorials by blender guru and um, so two days ago I put sprinkles on a donut and I was very pleased with myself <laughs> and it looks great. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I don't know what future there is, um, in it, but I do see people with Etsy stores just full of graphic renders that sell and ship prints in, in various sizes. And I think... <laughs> I think my goal right now is just kind of create cool stuff that I see in my imagination. It's, it's a cool, I, I think it's a, um, it's a great juxtaposition doing whether you get into like drawing or 3d art or something else that is almost directly in contrast with what it feels like to be in code, um, to be uh, layers deep in divs. <laughs> And and CSS and and trying to solve some sort of JavaScript embed, it's such an interesting thing to use the other side of the brain to sort of start from the the blank palette and and create something that that has shape and form and light and um and I think Blender is such a great choice. I did a little bit of uh, I've started in on a few of those tutorials and I. I, I started in on on 36 days of type and I did t two letters in Blender. I did an A, which I was very proud of that that, you know, came up out of the ground and was maroon. And I was very excited about that. And that was about all there was to it. But I was I was super excited about it. And then I also made a, a D that had hair that was blowing in the wind. And it, that was supposed to be clever, like it was a dog. But the fact that I could make a D that was standing up in a 3D space that had hair that was blowing in the wind, I was like, this is amazing. And just uses such a different part of your brain to sort of think and create and build. But Blender's so great because, yeah, you can you can create these amazing looking things in 
you know, it doesn't take you, you know, a month uh, to do it. It takes, you can do them in, in, in a day or two. And, um, uh, yeah, it, it just feels like magic. Absolutely. Absolutely. As soon as you figure out how to navigate the program and, and, you know, the, the logical step in modeling and, and sculpting and adding layers and shading and lighting and being able to produce within the first day of taking, you know, watching through those tutorials, I was able to post a picture like here's a donut with some pink ice cream on a pink background and it took me <laughs> it took me a day and it took me if i watched an hour's worth of tutorials each each hour's worth of tutorials probably took me an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes and some of it's like oh where did that nav screen go <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> there um, can be so many layers and it only gets worse you get into like you know, Cinema 4D and Houdini and these other things where it's just like, it's like panels and panels and panels within panels and settings. And you just sort of get, get lost. But um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I think one of the things I'm, two other things I'd love to, to sort of touch on when I think about learning, um, especially as you're coming up, not just in development, but, but in this sort of digital creation world. And I'll, I'll lump creative, the act of creating digitally, whether that's in Photoshop or Illustrator or drawing or 3D, and then sort of juxtaposed to that development, whether that's no code or, or something that's like, I don't know, is there a hyphen for that? Some code? <laughs> I don't know what web quasi code. Is, is it like a quasi code, semi code, code ish. Uh, maybe, maybe I can get a code ish hashtag going, but, um, code ish or like full, full stack, um, code, um, is learning the process of learning and how, you know, when you go up through school or if you're in a boot camp or if you're, if you're in a, a traditional college, you've got, you go 101, you go 102, you go 103, you, you know, you get, you have this plan that has been sort of set, um, for you. And, but when you're, you're in this floating space of digital, there's just an endless amount of resources, which is amazing. And I love that we've gotten so um, it's just available, free and available to all. Um, some are paid, but there's so much free um, knowledge on YouTube and, and um, free code camp. And there's so many resources to sort of dive into the world that we're in. Um, but it also can be, analysis paralysis or like it can be overwhelming to um especially if you're on twitter you just see all the boot camps and the free oh i'm i'm you know recreating netflix homepage in gatsby and it's great and you should do it too and i'm like yeah i want to do that and i put it on a to-do list and then i never get to it um <laughs> it, it can just be sort of overwhelming have you found any any sort of tips or tricks or have you sort of put together your own kind of learning plan or um have you come across yeah. that um well i don't want to sound like a soundboard for reddit but i i one of my favorite things to do is to google something i want to learn followed by the word reddit and then i'll get a a, a comment thread that has loads of input loads of people 
you know, not that you can like post and comment on other people's posts and give voting and, but that it's, it's also people who, who, I, I don't know. I find the platform to be like less egocentric because it's, you know, anonymous for the most part. There's no, you know, picture associated with your account or, you know, people don't know who you are, but it's such a, all of the communities there are so willing to help each other because everybody knows what it's like to be a beginner. And so if I find a topic that I'm interested in and then I, you know, find a Reddit thread that it exists in, I'll find, I'll find like, you know, tried, true and tested and vetted resources that are, are have such high value and and even if they are you know free online resources that's how i found um blender guru's youtube page for for blender and it was then validated by so i i sent to alex's boss and said look at you know she does all this cool, you know, 3D rendering. Of course, we touched on earlier and I said, look at what I'm, you know, what I'm learning. I don't really have anybody to share it with, but I thought you'd appreciate it. Do you have any, you know, tips for a newbie or, you know, beginner insider resources? And w one of the first things she sent back was, yeah, check out Blender Guru's page. And I was like, well, you know, there we go. You know, I already, I had found that on my own through, through Reddit. So I think, um, I think finding a source like that and that's just a platform that i'm you know i'm on all the time i i use it more than other people use facebook or instagram probably but i just kind of say like find whatever community that you're really comfortable with and you're familiar with and then ask for resources there and of course sites like or apps like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram are super saturated with paid ads and advertising. And that's another thing that Reddit, you know, people don't enjoy when people who are trying to promote their own product or their own YouTube channel, like really spam the, right. you know, those pages because then it takes away the authenticity um, of the account. And so I find that you really get genuine information and, and find, you know, for the most part, people who are, are super, super helpful. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that that finding a, a community is is huge. Um, I would say that I, I personally, I, you know, I use Facebook for years. I'm not. I'm actually I'm actually really heavily trying to get off of it. I'm trying to 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 pull away from it. I've, um, uh, sorry to everyone out there, but I've deleted almost all of my Facebook friends. Uh, the only reason I'm keeping it is because of Oculus. Uh, cause now you have to have uh, a Facebook account to use your Oculus. So I will end up having an account with one friend on it. Um, which would be my wife, but, um, and then Instagram, I love Instagram. I think it's one of those, especially doing a private account. And I just have like a handful of people that follow me and I follow them and I've got a private account and I post pictures of the boys and family stuff and things like that. Um, I actually did start a, uh, sort of developer career focused Instagram, um, specifically so I could just put, um, interesting things out there that I find. And I, I kind of love the, the Instagram community if you can kind of find one, but Twitter has been really, I, I stayed away from Twitter for years primarily because I just felt like I couldn't keep up with it. And 
who was I going to follow? I'm going to follow like, you know, I'm just, I'm following Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm following like, you know, like the restaurant down the street. Uh, like I'm just, I, it was just sort of, it felt, it felt random in terms of like, I'm following uh, a, a movie or a, a, a celebrity or a, 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 some news outlet or like, it just felt like a fire hose of, of things. So what I did was when I, when I got back in, um, I found 100 Days of Code, um, which is great. Anybody that doesn't know, definitely go search 100 Days of Code. I think it's, I'll put it all in the show notes, but 100daysofcode.com and hashtag 100 Days of Code. But what's so great is that when you're starting out, um, you know, it's nice to have accountability. It's nice to have sort of a, a, a little cheering section. So you're not sort of learning and coding and trying in a vacuum because sometimes it can feel like you're just doing it and you're like, uh, who knows about this or am I doing it right? Or, you know, and sometimes keeping, keeping going can be, um, can be tough. So what you do is you end up tweeting every day for a hundred days and you use this hashtag and then you've got people who are like, Oh, that's great. Or I've done that before. You should try this. Or immediately you sort of feel tapped into this like community. Um, and there's some accountability if you can really keep it going for even the goal is to do one hour a day of, of coding. If you can do that for 100 days, then the idea is that you'll really develop a habit for um, for learning and or developing uh, for 100 days. But um, uh, so I, what I did was I, I stopped following everyone that I had previously, and I only really started following um really interesting accounts, developers that were creating um, Scott Talinsky and Level Up Tutorials and West Boss and like, like following these accounts that were like creating and building and teaching. And it just, um, and I found really found an interesting community there that has sort of supported me as I've been, been learning. Um, and then the other thing I've been doing is trying to put together a, a learning plan for myself just in terms of like, what do I want to, what is it that I want to learn? Is it Gatsby or Next? Or is it go deeper into Webflow? Or is it go back to CSS Grid or Flex? Or, you know, and, and on my blog, I'm, I'm starting to outline, these are the courses that I'm going to focus on. And I'm like, I'm not going to add anything to these. I'm not going to like keep the list growing and growing and growing. I just want to do these handful of, of tutorials. And then once I'm done with those, then I will move on. So, um, yeah, sometimes uh, it can be a bit overwhelming, but it's amazing. There's so so many resources out there for for learning as you're going through the journey. And it takes time to cultivate, even on a platform you're super familiar with or unfamiliar with, you know, just to try to train the algorithm so it shows you relevant information. And it it takes, you know, unfollowing the accounts that you don't that aren't in fields that you have an interest in, or if you want to like rebrand your page so that it shows you things that are, you know, strictly constructive to, to the topic you're trying to learn. But if you stick with it long enough, I think it does, does have the potential to just be giving you like really valuable pertinent um, accounts and, and different, different ways to continue learning what you set out to. I, uh, I feel like YouTube has been that for me. So Twitter, and then my only other one would be, would be YouTube from a development learning perspective, um, is I set up a different profile, um, just cause, uh, my 
oldest son uh, loves to watch uh, toy videos and stuff like that on YouTube. So then I get this mix of like, oh, here's how to set up a React site. But also here's the unboxing of a Lightning McQueen car. Uh, so I like set up a different um, profile and then I paid for YouTube premium, um, which is so great because you just don't, it cuts out all the all the ads and you can like do stuff offline and you can have it running in the background and all those sort of things. But so great to just have once you start searching things, um, as I've gotten into like live streaming and figuring out how to do Twitch and do like a green screen background and try and like get into as, as I've sort of learned about audio hardware for, for recording, um, I just got a DBX, um, 286, um, preamp. Um, and it looks like one of these things you'd find in the studio and you're like, wow, there's 12 knobs on here. And I have no idea what any of them do. Um, uh, you, you type that into YouTube and there's like, there's hundreds of videos that are like how to set it up from scratch. Here's what every knob does. Here's the optimal settings for podcasting. And here's, and you're like 12 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I know this thing. Oh, this is, I'm, this is all set. I'm, I, it has demystified it and now I know how to use it. And now I move on, which just feels like a superpower. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think to, to bring it full circle, the, one of the points is if you want to change your, your lifestyle and you want like a free, you know, travel digital nomad lifestyle, there are so many resources for you to be able to do that. So yeah, many. So absolutely. you can really like just, just pick something, you know? <laughs> yeah, pick one. No, totally. The world is your oyster. Um, well, awesome. Um, so where, uh, where can people find you? What's where, where of, of all the, uh, they find it, find you on Reddit. No, don't find me on Reddit. Don't find me on Reddit. Um, uh, they can. Yeah, where they, where should people check you out? So recently, um, I and I just like you, Kyle. I kind of like went through this huge period of, uh, you know, the last thing I had posted to my Instagram prior to a week ago was an engagement photo when I asked Alex to marry me, and that was taken like two and a half years ago, and. Uh, so I think, I think I'm starting to become more active on it. And I, um, I have a link to my creative account, um, on my, on my Instagram, my personal Instagram is nick.spira, S-P-E-R-A on Instagram. And then my creative account is suds. Um, and that's suds. Suds with I don't know if I did all the use yet, but it'll it'll be there'll be a link in the notes. S, yeah, plural. Um so so that's where I think I've posted my I think I'm just gonna start posting hobbies and stuff like that. Um one of the reasons nice. why I didn't why I was so turned off by Instagram is because I uh, because it's, you know, it's people that, you know, and, and I don't want to have to compare them. I feel like I have to compare my lives to what they're dealing with. So, or like what they're, all the amazing things that they're, you know, traveling and doing. And, um, it just seemed to turn me off of the platform. But now that I have something worthwhile to share, um, 
I will be more active on it. So I'll be posting my creative work um, on both my personal and uh, creative accounts. And then all of the all of the cool stuff that I'll be building in the future with Webflow and the design work and uh, the creative blender things will be on both of those um, both of those sites as well. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for the time today, and um, we'll definitely have to have to have you back, and we'll we'll dive deeper into some of these topics. Of course. Thanks for having me, Kyle. It's been a blast. Awesome. Have a great day. All right, you too. So <laughs> <laughs> see ya. See ya.